Hey everybody, welcome to For the Record, episode number 124. Um, yeah, it is. it has been a weekend. Um, really interesting few days. Um, I put up a post on the site. Um, I posted it from my own account, not from the site's Twitter or Facebook page, and then... That was that. Um, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry. Just let it go. Um, it's totally fine. But um, interesting few days to say the very least. Regardless of that, um, I'm really excited right now because this is the week leading up to one of my favorite times of the entire year. And unfortunately, it's going to be the last time of uh, this particular year that this is ever going to happen. Um, the... Uh, Warp Tour kicks off this week in Pomona, California, which means that it will be coming to Mountain View, California um, for its last ever run and its last ever Bay Area date this Saturday, June 23rd at Shoreline Amphitheater. Um, one of the things that I decided over the weekend, originally when I was going to put up all these interviews, I was really thinking that we were going to do... I was really going to do print interviews and I was going to do all these other little things that were going to go along with it. But I really, I changed my mind on that after some careful consideration. Um, I think that from now on, we're not going to do any more, with the exception of a couple things that still need to go up from things that I messed up on and didn't um, put out originally. Um, I don't think I'm going to do any... Um, I don't think there's going to be any more print interviews. I think it's all going to be podcast from here on out. Um, I like the medium a lot more. I think it's a lot more fun, and it does. There we go, uh, and it does a lot more for a conversation. There are still there are people out there that can do print interviews that are absolutely goddamn amazing at it. They're masters of their craft. They're amazing reporters. Um, and you can you, you can really find them. They're, they're generally with any major music magazine or entertainment outlet uh, that still does stuff in written form. Um, but for me, I think I'm I will admit uh, transcribing is extremely tedious for me. And I think with music, this is just a better outlet for the kind of conversations that I've been having with musicians and with comedians and artists over the past several years. So. Um, with that being said, I'm really excited. This is um, this is a bit of a unique episode, and it's something I saw um, a vocalist named um, uh, Shane Told start. He did this a couple years ago. I'm I'm not sure actually if he's doing this um, anymore right now. But um, uh, whenever Warp Tour would come around, he has a podcast called Lead Singer Syndrome, which is absolutely amazing, where he talks with different vocalists every week. Um, about uh, their music, uh, how they've come and uh, how they've come up in in the music scene within alternative rock and kind of that warp tour um, world, if, if for lack of a better term. Um, but there was a period of time when he did a warp tour episode, and he would do he did like two episodes leading up to um, the tour kickoff itself, where he would interview three different vocalists about their um, that were going to be on the tour regardless of whether whatever stage that they were on and then kind of showcase their music, do these little kind of snippets. And so I'm kind of taking a page out of that book 
with this. Um, I was really inspired by the idea to do it, and that's what we're doing for this. So over the past couple weeks, I've been interviewing a number of artists that are going to be on this year's Vans Warp Tour. Um, I'm so excited to have them on. Um, I am also, I'm really stoked that two of the people that we're having on female and I think that we really need some more representation of that within our scene and they're in some really kick-ass bands so really looking forward to getting into this um first things first today's episode is sponsored by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate that delivers the best items you can find in nerd culture with everything from collectibles, tech gadgets, art, and other epic gear. It's kind of like getting a gift from a friend every single month, only that friend is you, if that makes sense. Um, today is actually, it's ironic that we're putting this up because today is the last day you will be able to get this month's box. So here's how it works. This month's theme is Colossal. So if you have to place your order by June 19th today at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Once once that time has passed, the box is you're no longer eligible for it, and you'll have to try again for next month's. Um, but you'll be eligible for this month's box if you place your order by tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You'll receive items surrounding movies like um, one of my favorites of all time, Jurassic Park, uh, Ghostbusters, Godzilla, uh, things from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so stuff like the Avengers, Iron Man, Spider-Man, things like that, and so much more. So to save 10% on your new subscription, um, you can do that by visiting trylootcrate.com slash shamelesspromo. Try lootcrate.com slash shameless promo and entering the promo code bridge10, all lowercase. Once again, that promo code is bridge10. Today's episode was also brought to you by Vinyl Me Please, or what we would like to call the Best Damn Record of the Month Club. So basically, every month you'll get one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection, curated by their team, sent out to thousands of members worldwide. Each record is pressed exclusively for Vinyl Me Please members, and you'll get things here you can't get anywhere else, such as bonus tracks, inserts, colored variants, things things of that sort. And each album comes packed with a 12-inch by 12-inch album-inspired art print and a custom cocktail pairing recipe. So to sign up, visit joinvmp.com slash shameless promo. Once again, joinvmp.com slash shameless promo. Okay, so like I said, the majority of today's guests are uh, female, which I think is huge and um, I think something really important, particularly within a rock scene with a lot of hardcore, a lot of screaming screaming vocal bands, things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited to get into this. So we're going to hear from three people today. The first is... Um, a gentleman named Nikki Calone, who is the uh, frontman for a band that's going to be playing this summer on the Mutant White Lightning stage called Necrogobicon. Um, they're a really theatrical and fun um, melodic death metal band. Um, so we're going to hear from them and a phone interview. I did that interview when I was using... Um, an app that I will happily promote here called Tape Call. They're not sponsoring the episode, but I use them all the time. So the audio sounds a little bit different. There's a couple times when it accidentally cuts out. There was some wind because I was outside when I was recording it. I was on the run that day, so I didn't get a chance to come back and do it here um, in the uh, in the with my whole podcast setup. But uh, the other two interviews were done here on a like on a day that I was actually able to set up using a microphone and all that good stuff. Um, but the next person we're going to hear from after that is Megan Herring, who plays in a, uh, really kick-ass all-female, um, I guess you'd say punk band called Dollskin, who are going to be on the Alley FM, Alley.FM stage all summer long on the tour. 
Um, and then finally, we're going to hear from Lauren Cation, the front woman for um, one of my most anticipated acts of the entire tour this summer uh, called Sharp Tooth. Um, we talk, uh, the conversations were all fantastic. We talk, we go a lot in depth regarding their music um and we're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different as well i tried it a couple weeks ago when we put up the prima donna episode and it worked really i loved the format of it and i got a lot of good feedback on it so i'm going to start putting at the end of each interview segment i'm going to put a song from an artist so that you can get an idea of what they sound like know uh where to check them out um all sorts of good stuff like that so um let's talk to necrogoblicon for a little bit All right, we are good to go. Awesome, sweet. Yeah. I'm doing good. Um, I well, I meant to ask you this kind of this wasn't going to be the first question I had, but I noticed when you called, it had a Palo Alto area code. Um, are you guys a Bay Area band, or are you Bay, Are you just from here? And then because I'm calling out of Oakland, like the as a Bay Area, are you guys based yeah. here, or are you based uh, down south? Uh. Well, we're in LA, but uh, I grew up in Palo Alto, and uh, when we first started, it was just me and another guy. He's not in the band anymore, but uh, he lived uh, in Sunnyvale. Like we went to Pali High School, you know. Okay, cool, nice. That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I was doing my research, and I was kind of like, oh shit, another Bay Area person. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah, and then we eventually all moved down south because the music scene, whatever, better down here and. Uh, he was going to college at UCSB, and we just migrated. But yeah, we came from the Bay Area originally. Gotcha. Well, then how how long ago was that? Was that like I guess when did that like you said it was you and one other person who's no longer with the band? Like when I guess when was the earliest like the beginnings of Necrogoblicon? That would have been like ju- late June 2006. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so yeah. that's kind of when the metalcore and like death metal scenes were kind of. At least within, if you're looking at kind of like the Warp Tour, that kind of underground scene. That's, what, that's what, at least when I remember it starting to come up a little bit more, and there was starting to be like, a, I guess, a little bit more of like a vibrant upfront scene. Yeah, like totally, definitely. We were listening to all that, like as Blood Runs Black and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, stuff like that. Totally. For sure. Um, so I guess, well, one of the other questions I guess to jump right into this with uh things well one of the questions i had was surrounding um welcome to bonkers which was a cr- I just it's one of the crazier records i've heard not just within like not just within the music that i listen to but within like melodic death metal because there's so many little elements and so many different things happening throughout it at different times like it just the way that it changes tone the way that it suddenly gets very in your face and then almost has like a I don't want to say like like more of a not a classical vibe, but has like those little elements and nods to like non-metal music throughout it. Like, what was where do you even begin with putting together a record like this and kind of piecing together all of those little bits to make it the whole album that you hear? Man, it's 
yeah, it's definitely a process. Um, it's a, it kind of all starts like in a sequencer, typically, like all right in logic at this point, and then basically get, you know, I used to use like only MIDI instruments, like MIDI guitars and uh, that type of crap because I thought it was very like neutral sounding, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas if you're writing on a specific sound, it can kind of taint your approach. But uh, MIDI's been kind of shitty in Logic since, like, Lion, that's just been messed up. Like, general MIDI won't even play back on Mac OS anymore. Yeah. So, I've been using this, uh, it's like a contact instrument called Shreddage. And it's, uh, it's basically like, sounds like a real guitar. You just run it through an amp sim. So you can basically write, like, metal guitar, but not actually need to play the guitar. Um, okay. So I write it out like, you know, I'll get some drums going in whatever drum plug-in and then kind of get the bass riff song going, like with the bass and uh, keys and and get some fake guitars. And then at that point, it's all about like, you know, going back over it once you have the basic structure done and finding, you know, little places to put in transitions and sounds and little flourishes and so you basically just keep going over it like that over and over again. And then once I was done with that, we had basically the whole record in demo form, you know? Like, yeah. And then we went to Florida and we retracked the whole thing. And at that point, our drummer, Eric, put his spin on the drum parts. And, like, we had Jason Sukoff, this cool metal producer guy, producing too. So he helped a lot with a lot of the cool little guitar things you hear. So... It's basically just like you get something done pretty quickly and then you continue making passes over it for like a year. <laughs> God, that's such an involved process. But I mean, I, at, the, at the end result is obviously it sounds incredible and it sounds like it's very fun to listen to. And then adding the aesthetic of everything with like the, like before this, I watched the music video for uh, Dresses, for Dresses Goblins to kind of get an idea. And it's just, it's just, it's one of those things where it just kind of all works. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, you've probably been asked this a thousand times, so I apologize if this is something that you've been asked in previous interviews for the record or before, but where did the, I guess, where did the Goblin come from within playing into, I guess, the theme of the of the record and the band and just kind of at least within the images and, and little, like, music videos and performance videos and stuff that I've seen? Like, where did that come in and what does, I guess, that image and that character maybe represent yeah, it was kind of multiple steps there. Like, originally, uh, my friend Tim, who, who when we did the first album, Goblin Island, it was like just the two of us or whatever. Uh, a lot of that, he was in a different metal band called Inquest at the time, and he, he wrote a bunch of riffs, and some of them were not right for Inquest or whatever. And he's like, well, I still want to do something with these riffs. And we're like AIM buddies, you know, at that point. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, just joking around and stuff. He's like, oh, I have all these leftover riffs and call it Goblin Island. Just kind of as a joke over it's like, it's like the fun thing of ever, like we have to do this, you know? And then a couple of days later, we went in together and I added keyboard parts to his guitar stuff. And then we wrote the lyrics for the song Goblin Island. And after that, like, we were just goofy people, you know, and so 
we thought like let's just make this entire thing all about goblins you know <laughs> and then for whatever reason people started to like it on myspace and stuff and it was like all right i guess we're gonna actually do this so we wrote uh, yeah. the album Stench. we started on that one like 2007 and we didn't really end up finishing it till 2011 not our full priority and also it just took forever uh, yeah but that one was also just like super all about goblins and eventually uh throughout those years we found ourselves living in la and then one of our guitarist alex um he was like working at a a record label out here and so he knew someone from there and that person was like oh i'm gonna bring my friend brandon to one of your shows uh, and that guy was like the Dermer who saw the show, which was just a little show, a place called the Cobalt Cafe. And he was really stoked because he had heard the music and thought it was going to be like a bunch of like really serious old fat bearded dudes, you know? Yeah. And he saw that it was actually just like us. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to make a music video. We were like, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Maybe, but yeah, you know, he actually wrote the whole story of the No One Survives music video, sort of listening to the album Stench on repeat, like while on a flight from Chicago back to California. So he just listened to the whole thing on repeat forever, and he came up with, like, John Oblicon, uh to represent sort of the feeling he got music, which, you know, really it was all about, like, misanthropy and, like, various ways for the human race to die and, you know, general misanthropy, I would really say. Interesting. Yeah, but then after that, the music video went sort of viral and she was, uh, nimble. like, then we put the uh, Goblin to a live show. Like, we were, we did one live show at the Whiskey thing, like, featuring the No One Survives Goblin, you know. <laughs> And then it was a really big success, and people really enjoyed that component. And so we were like, okay, I guess this is, we'll just do this for every show now. I feel like we're just going to commit at this point. <laughs> yeah, and it was good for us, too, because, like, people had always been since the beginning saying, like, oh, how come you guys aren't dressed as goblins? Or, you know, you need to dress as goblins. But we never wanted to do that because we were like, we're just a band, and it happens to be about the goblins, like, the music is about the goblins killing the humans, but we're the humans, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it, it's like, it's almost like like a non, or a not as theatrical version of Guar. Because, like, Guar, obviously, like, they dress, like, they go, like, full costume, throwing shit at the audience and stuff like that. Whereas, it's more like, when listening to you guys, it's, it's maybe just as, like, heavy and kind of chaotic, but there's more of, like, it's more like the theme of the music and the overall idea of it, kind of, that has the theatricality in it, rather than, like, the actual, like, uh, I guess, stage performance, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. And then, yeah. we always thought it was really funny, like, we're just these regular dudes, but there's also a goblin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, can you imagine, kind of, at Warped Tour, when people walk by, they're going to go, like, Oh, that's cool. What the fuck? What is that on the stage? Like, it's it'll make people stop. <laughs> no, I'm so about that because yeah, there's gonna be so many people who have never heard of Necro or anything, and it's like I'm really excited to to witness that happening. I've been thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Like, speaking oh, of wow. Horror, yeah. Um, well, speaking of Warp Tour, what, um, what stage are you guys playing on this year? Um, we're on one of these, one of these feet. Journeys, I want to say Journeys Left Foot. There's one called Journeys Left Foot and Journeys Right Foot. Let me Google it. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> whichever one is like the more metal band of the feet. Uh, yeah, I think there's also like because if I'm looking at the metal bands, I think I actually, I think I actually have that written down here. But I think it was either like I couldn't remember if it was the Journey stage or if it was the Mutants, like the Red Lightning or the. Could be that the, too. Maybe you're right, Mutants White Lightning or something. Let me check. Yeah, because there's two stages on that tour that are totally dedicated to like just all metal bands. Um, and oh. Kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, White Lightning. Awesome. Very cool. Have you guys, yeah. um, you guys haven't, have you guys done Warped Tour before? Never. Okay. Wow. So this is the first and the last year. <laughs> yeah. Totally. There you go. Yeah, it's like, all right, let's, let's get a time as any, you know? Well, to kind of go off of what we were talking about with the whole live performance thing, what can, I mean, what are you guys planning when you're getting ready to go and do a set for something like this where it's going to be different hours every day? It's going to be, a, a little bit more of a condensed set where it's kind of it's almost bands like just kind of showcasing their work because you have five albums and you have to narrow that down to a thirty minute set list. Like what? Yeah. Um, I guess what's your kind of what's your process right now for getting ready for something like Warped? Well, right now we're really excited about Bonkers and we've been playing stuff for the old albums for so many years, and we also feel like Bonkers is kind of kind of our strongest album, especially to. To the kind of crowd you might see at Warp. So, yeah, we're going to be playing mainly songs from that, um, which is super fun because we get to play some new stuff finally, you know. And when you play stuff on tour, you just like play the same shit over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and then we're doing like, you know, one older song that's the favorite and then five new songs. Because I guess the logic is like most of our like, True fans who'd be butthurt if we didn't play something from an old album. Like, they're going to come see us when we have, like, a headlining tour or something, you know? Yeah. But we just want to play music that we feel like would be the best for people who maybe haven't heard of us. Um, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And also, we really like it, too. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I just finished, like, supplementing our keyboard rig. I made, like, a whole main stage rig, which is, like, a way to play software instruments live and stuff. So it'll be sweet. That took me like forever, and I'm excited because a lot of the sounds like actually on the album are either like a software instrument or something from a different keyboard I have called a Phantom, which is like too big to take on the road. Yeah, I think I know what so you're I just, talking yeah. about actually. What? Sorry. I said, oh no, no, sorry. I said I think I know what you're talking about the the Phantom with like the, you said it was too big to take on the road. I think yeah, I know. Like, I think I know what rig that you're talking about. Huge Phantom X8. It's like 88 keys. It was like 60 pounds or something. It's just a hassle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. That would. That. Yeah. I. I would. I mean. That. That'll, that'd make the load-in process interesting every day, in yeah. 100 degree heat, depending on the city oh, yeah. that you're in. Right. <laughs> totally. Like I don't know. Hopefully there's roadies and stuff. I'm always like if we if we had just like roadies and stuff, you could get bring whatever you want, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so it's cool. Our keyboard sound is definitely, like, super doper now. It's going to be way cooler um, in terms of tones actually matching, like, exactly what's on the album and stuff. And 
not that anyone ever noticed or would complain, but like it's just a nice little bonus, you know. Well, there's people out there, particularly in metal, like like as metal fans that really do notice gear and like take a like a a fond like uh like a, a liking to wanting to know all the pieces of gear. So I'm sure that I'm sure there's some people out there that will like be curious and going, oh, I wonder what they're using. I wonder what they're using with that, and just like. Um, oh, for. Yeah, I just noticed it more in metal than any other genre. Totally, metal, definitely. Maybe yeah. some some EDM, but yeah, totally. That's, yeah, that's a fair statement, too, for for EDM. Uh, since just, like, stuff like, that kids yeah. who want to learn how to produce are really into, and then there's the whole, like, YouTube community behind all that and stuff, you know? Yeah. Tutorial. Um, yeah, there was, well, there was another question I had about um, Welcome to Bonkers, because I remember there was a record... Um, I don't have my notes sitting in front of me, but I'd written and kind of done all my stuff before we did this. But there was a record of yours that I had kind of researched that I guess there was like a storyline in it, if I'd read that correctly. Um, and yeah. I was curious, yeah, I was curious to know if there was a storyline behind Welcome to Bonkers. And if so, what what, what the, the theme or the idea of it was, or if it was just, I guess, more of a compilation of songs that flowed naturally to make a record. Yeah, it's definitely the latter, like, uh, of those two options. Um, the, the the one that was the concept album is called Heavy Meta, that one. Yeah, we put okay. Out, yeah, that was, like, 2015, and it was a different writing process. Like, we had the whole band contributing riffs and then sort of put it all together, and then I spent, like, months putting the songs in order and then writing the story and outlining it and then trying to put that into lyrics, and it was like, this is a nightmare, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It took me like a year of just writing lyrics and like whatever. And <laughs> after that, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing another concept album for like a damn long time. <laughs> concept albums are like, I mean, to say they're tricky is an understatement because you either like don't it it's it's like you either commit or you don't because there's you if you're doing concept album, not only will you want to delve into it and really get super obsessed with it, but the fans will want to as well. Like if you look at like Coheed and Cambria and like how every single record they put out is like there's there's a concept and there's a comic book and then there's this and that and it's just like, oh it's, totally yeah so if you totally. like yeah it's like you're either in or you're out <laughs> yeah and also even just writing it's kind of like it's always compromised because even let's say you have this really like complex story and then you have like you know a couple verses like 16 lines to put it down you know or something and then, so you're going to end up having to, to try and say what it means in as few words as possible. Find out, it really sort of like becomes something informed by the idea rather than like literally everything, you know? Definitely. Um, um, but this one, Bonkers, let's see, I wrote all the lyrics like probably from between November and uh, April, and November and March. Uh, late 2016, early 2017, and so I think just uh, doing it that way, like kind of binging it out instead of instead of writing it all over a long period of time, like all the, the emotional content and undertones of what the lyrics are about, they sort of go together because they're all taken from like one season of life or one chapter, you know? Definitely. Seasons well, of, of yeah. So well, it's interesting to know, that's, and that's, that I'm glad I asked that um, to get some more clarification 
behind yeah all the songs are honestly it's like these are just like issues that i feel or something you know at this point and like heavy metal was like that too but it was a, a story about goblins it was really about the band that's why it's called meta you know definitely this one it was kind of like you know what i think no matter what the lyrics are about people are still going to associate this with goblins they're going to think i sound like a goblin so i could write songs about whatever i want and people are just gonna be like i love it it's all about goblins so it's more <laughs> <like> easier <laughs> yeah um well kind of kind of to touch on something that you had mentioned where you said that it was kind of the songs were kind of about issues and things that you had going on was does does that idea like kind of translate over to the video for Dressed as Goblins and like the idea behind that song, or was that a totally different story and concept altogether? <laughs> That's an interesting song. It's yeah, it's totally different. You could say like in those story videos, we'll usually try and find. I mean, our guitarist and the, another friend wrote one of our videos. It's like we need a gimmick. That was more of a visual display than like a real narrative yeah um and the narrative ones usually we like to find someone who's like passionate about it and let them come up with their own story whoever to direct it or and write it you know mm-hmm. um and then you know with the john goblicon character he was sort of invented by brandon dermer the guy who directed no one survives um obviously inspired by the goblins of necrogoblicon but you know every time we use him in a story or something, Dermer is going to sign off on it and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Kind of like, is that you can almost say it's kind of like, he's your Eddie from Iron, Ma- from Iron Maiden or like, oh. you're, you're kind of like little symbol or character. Or mascot. Yeah, yeah. That, why couldn't I think of that word? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Like the song dressed as goblins, originally I, it was about like mass shootings shootings and stuff like interesting the idea was like people dressed as goblins or like uh proliferating all these heinous crimes or something we just thought it was funny and then like we had like a shock value music idea that was just like a joke for a music video of like all these people dressed as goblins doing like a school shooting or something like we were like if we wanted to make a really controversial video that people watch and just bad publicity kind of thing yeah <laughs> And we're like, okay, let's not really do that, but, like, <laughs> it inspired the idea. And then eventually, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, there's, like, subtle hints about that. Like, we were at the show. Now we all explode. Like, it's, it's all, mainly it's, like, just babble about that song in particular. It's, like, it's like the verses, I think I'm really just describing, like, what it feels like to be the one performing during a live show. But I thought, like, this would be really funny to, to be singing a song kind of about singing a song. And no, <laughs> Interesting. Um, but, yeah, because of that open-endedness, uh, we could really kind of put any story with John Gallicon in there. You know, I think the musical side has more of that kitschy funeral aesthetic, which is kind of what the video went with. Yeah. Well, yeah, um... I won't. Uh, I won't take up too much more of your time. Uh, I the only. I guess really the only other question I had for you was just it's it's the question that I use to kind of close out every interview that I do as a way to kind of wrap things up. It's a super broad question, but um, what does music mean to you? Um, 
for me, it's just a great way to express oneself that is not confined by the standard rules of language. Because, yeah, I feel that we only have so many words. I wish I spoke more than one language because I think there'd be a lot of interesting parallels there. Um, but, like, let's say colloquialisms or something, like, whatever, you know, two and the whatever's one is, yeah, I can't think of any. But music less confined because you can convey a feeling through a sound over time. And that's kind of a universal feeling. Yeah. There might be some concepts which are impossible to express with our current language. And, you know, that's just the nature of it. Like, there's all sorts of complex feelings, and we just have to choose the word that sort of matches that, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then... It goes around that, so that's what I like. That's what it means. Gotcha. Um and then lastly, where can people find uh, Necrogobicon online? Uh, what can they check out? Tour dates, find information about Warp Tour and all that good stuff, and um, anything you want to plug, basically. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, well, you can find us on, on all the standards, like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're probably most active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook slash Necrogobicon, I believe, and... Honestly, I I always recommend just Google Necrogalicon, however you spell it, will come up. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, hey, Nikki, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. I'm really looking forward to catching your stuff this summer at Warped. I'll, um, I'm going to get this up. This is probably going to go up Monday because I'm getting up all these before the Mountain View date of the tour since that's the one we're going to be covering. But um, I really appreciate your time and looking forward to catching your stuff this summer. Sweet. Yeah, Jared, nice talking to you. Uh, come say hi at Shoreline if you get a chance. Absolutely. I will I'll definitely come by. Sweet. All right. We'll see you then. Awesome. We'll take care. Have a great day, man. You too. Bye-bye. So that was our chat with Nikki from Necrogoblicon. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Um, the next episode is going to go straight into um, our the chat I had with uh, Megan from Dollskin. Uh, but before that, we're going to play a Necrogoblicon song. Uh, this is the track that we were playing a little bit, er- that I was playing a little bit earlier in the episode, um, or not that I was playing earlier in the episode, but that we were talking about, um, had they had just made a music video for it, which I know you can go find on their page, on their, um, on their YouTube and all, all that good stuff. So this is Dressed as Goblins. Catch this band all summer on the Vans Warp Tour. Enjoy.
delay on that. Yeah, I have my, like I said, hardware issues, but... Oh, I think You're I got good. fixed, so we're all set. So, um, cool. Are you calling out of, um, I saw the area, are you calling out of Arizona, or are you just based out of, based out of there? I, uh, yeah, I live in Arizona. I'm calling you from Scottsdale right now. So how hot is it right now? <laughs> uh, it's about, yeah, it's about like 106. Jesus Christ. Right now. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I do not go outside. So I once heard that there was a theory, um, in regards to like band, I've been listening to the show a lot called Lead Singer Syndrome, which is with the hmm. the vocalist from Silverstein does this podcast where he talks to different vocalists and things like that. And a lot That's of the bands, cool. yeah, so he, a lot of the bands that he's talking to right now in this particular string are all from Arizona. And he said that he believes that the reason there's so many bands from Arizona and such a good scene is because it's so hot that no one can go outside. So you just stay inside and make music. <laughs> That's uh, completely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's really funny because when you look back at all like the different artists from the 2000s that have kind of come out of that scene, it's really, it it just, it's a theory that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And like at this point when, you know, you can like pour water on the ground and it starts sizzling and like evaporating, but like, yeah, you're definitely going to uh, stay inside. I can't even take my dog for a walk at this time of day. If yeah. It's like early morning or or later at man. night. Man, that sucks. Um, but at the same time, yeah. though, I mean, this almost perfectly segues into a question that I was going to have was that um, being in a, in a place that hot, that kind of helps you when you're getting ready to do something like Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, well, you know, a benefit about living and being born and raised in this heat is that, like, you are absolutely 100% prepared for any sort of like heat anywhere in the world like oh, yeah you can yeah you can handle it like we can handle i mean humidity like florida heat we can do it you know people in california um were saying oh my god it's so hot i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> 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 yeah I, even here i know it's not because i I've, I've i was in arizona in in the dead of august for warp tour uh, a few years mm -hmm. ago and i've never forgotten that <laughs> yep oh yeah yeah, it's it's almost a like a more like a horrible more horrible idea to like have a warp tour in August versus June because August for some reason is just particularly so bad and it's later in the year and it kind of doesn't make sense but like yeah it's just brutal like there's no wind it's like you're walking through you know, I mean sometimes it does get really windy but it's like walking through a hair dryer so it's horrible. yeah. I feel like if you look, if you were to look at like the way that the weather was laid out on a graph of something like that, you'd see June starts to get really hot, starts rising in July, and then I I feel like you, I think you're right. It would peak in August because I think that's just like I I don't know what has to happen like scientifically for the weather to do that, but I think that it's maybe it just holds in all of the heat and it's taken in so much that it just kind of all just stays there. Yeah. 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 In August. If you want to like go in the pool in August, like even the water is like bathtub heat oh water, God. and you're like, God, I'm like, I can't even <laughs> swim. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, it's like, oh, insane. Good. Um, well, but, the, yeah, yeah, to kind of say what you were saying about like it, uh, how it prepares you. Is is this the first time you've done warp tour, or are you going to be, or have you done it before? Uh, we did it for two weeks last year. Okay. And then, yeah. it, so is this a full run? 
Yes, yeah, we're doing the full thing. Man, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um I, I guess um I guess this is this can be kind of a I guess a cliche question because a lot of people will ask this of bands when they're getting ready to do any kind of a tour, whether it's warped or whether it's their own tour. What can people expect when you take the stage each uh, morning or afternoon when you're because um, it's kind of like it's almost like a showcase like every band mm-hmm. is kind of just show you get 30 minutes so you're just kind of showcasing your material and what you can do right exactly I think um, something that you know everyone can expect is like uh, all of us are going to be so hyped up on energy and caffeine like no matter what time of day because <laughs> like you know we're just going to be so like happy to be there that you know it's kind of just like um, you know stage house like Adrenaline can get you through anything, and, like, especially the heat, we're going to be totally, like, chill. And um, I think that you can expect, like, these, like, small, uh, crazy colored hair women that are kind of scary. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate, um, but we're just going to be so super excited to play on any stage, any time. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. That's awesome. Uh, do you guys, do you know yeah. what, do you know, uh, what stage are you guys playing again? Um, the Alley FM stage. Okay, that's what I thought. It's the one, so when you guys, I'm doing all these interviews in preparation for the Mountain View date of the tour, so like, oh, okay. the, so that'll be, okay, so I think you guys will be in like the amphitheater probably, which is, which will be in the shade, which will be very nice. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. Yeah, if, if Thank I'm you. correct on that, but I'm pretty sure that the, I'm pretty sure that every year that's like the area that they'll use for that particular stage, but I could be wrong, but I believe there will be sa- there will be shade. Yeah, either way, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Mountain View is always a really nice state. Um, one of the things that I um, meant to ask you was about um, I gave a listen to the record uh, the manic uh, the manic pixie dream girl, um, mm-hmm. and one of the questions I had was my girlfriend's a writer and she's often brought up when she's like she's written essays for grad school and stuff like that and she's brought up the idea of the manic pixie dream girl character in stories like looking for alaska um i think Mm. paper towns was another one that so a lot of john green novels and stuff like that but Uh, what what does that title represent in regards to an overall theme for the album if there was one or like i guess where did that where did that title come from and what does it mean right well i mean it originated from uh this uh slam poem that I found on YouTube because um, I like to watch slam poetry in my spare time a lot. And um, I thought it was very interesting because I didn't know that there was a term for that kind of woman in a, like a movie or a book. I'm like, oh my God, I, how come I never realized that, yeah. that there's this character in these you know books and movies that are just used as a catalyst to a man's realization of self-worth you know like yeah and like i don't know if if like they kind of use that girl as like the quirky um lady that kind of um you know she'll be there and she'll make the pot exciting and you know then you know the guy realizes oh i don't really necessarily know if i need her anymore and like you know whatever it it, it happens in every so often in some books and movies but for us uh we kind of took that concept actually represented it and then we flipped it on its head like like 
in, you know, referring to yourself, you know, as like a manic pixie dream girl, you can use that as a term of empowerment and be like, I can be my own like hero of my own story. I don't need, um, you know, someone to make me realize that I am like, you know, to make me realize my self-worth. Like I know that I am a strong, you know, powerful woman and, um, that I can, um, lead my own, uh, you know, self-titled life as Haley would, Haley Williams would say. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I think that's super, one of the things you said was super interesting because I didn't realize what that character idea meant either until, I think it was until she had brought it up to me because I was just kind of sitting there like, I'd read Looking for Alaska as one of the books that I'd referenced and I was just like, wow, this is like, I, I, I loved the story, I loved the idea of it and then she'd kind of studied it and went back and like looked at it from the point of view as looking at that character and then realizing, wow, the guy's really a dick. Like he's just not like, <laughs> um, like it, right. you think that I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, oh, wow. I like you kind of you felt for him when you listen when you read it the first time. And then you kind of look back and you look at it through that view and you're just like, wow, he's just he. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does not. <laughs> oh, it's, it was it was so interesting. Um, but but that's cool right. that you take the theme and that you you can turn it and use it as something that's positive and that's empowering. Right, 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 for sure. Yeah, it, thank you. Yeah, it can. So this is another, I guess, kind of cliche thing to say uh, with when you're talking to an artist. But you say, I hear so many influences in your music whenever that's put up as an interview question, but. That really rings true when I listened to the album. I heard so many different little st stylings of rock from just straight up punk rock. I heard like metal and alternative. I heard some like classic mm -hmm. rock influences. I guess what was the overall mindset for you when you were recording the album or when you were writing the album with what you wanted to do as a collective? Well, uh, I think so when we released our first like LP. Um, we had these songs written and we kind of like, you know, we released it and it was all kind of a r very rushed process because we were kind of getting like thrown into like the spotlight because, um, David, our manager just started managing us and he's like, I have all the tools, let's just do this. So I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, it, you know, we're very lucky to have them, but you know, like after, after we released our first LP, we were like, we're proud of this, but like, we have so much more ideas, you know? So after that, as soon as we got the green light to start like writing, um, we were, we were just cranking them out because we were so like, we had so many ideas. We were so inspired by the fact that we were finding our sound and that we were finding, like we just like had this empowering idea in our heads and we literally just took it and ran with it. Um, for like, you know, basically we sometimes like to refer to Manic Fixie as a concept album, but um, because there's like three or four songs that, kind of really emphasize what she is and you know um that she's like an actual character but then the rest of them like you know there's lots of them that that voice our opinions on certain topics that are you know controversial um or you know songs that were just like we were really angry and we wrote the song in 15 minutes that was punch a nazi <laughs> but um <laughs> so yeah so it, it really it's like a kind of a rainbow of of like inspiration for us that album we are so proud of it and let me tell you trying to write something after releasing that album in my opinion is a challenge because you know we were so proud of it and um we're trying to see if we could top it so 
That's fantastic. I mean, it 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 really feels like something. So, um, uh, sorry, I totally had a different thought, and I just went it went into a different thought that I was gonna say. But, um, you said there were three or four songs that kind of represented the character. What were those songs, in your opinion, and what was it about them that maybe like what were the elements of it that really, um, I guess portrayed this character that you were trying to convey? Right. Well, I mean, I think the the one that kind of in our opinion, was almost going to be, like, is it going to be, like, the number one, like, definition of Manic Pixie Dream Girl? There's a song called, there's a song called Ruby, and we were originally going to make it, like, the title track, but we were like, no, let's just give her a name. Let's give her a name, you know? And um, that, I mean, if you kind of, like, dig into the lyrics, like, they're kind of about this fictional character who um, has, like it's almost kind of comic booky. Like this girl escapes from a um, a I guess like a scientific prison ward, and she has all these. And she was programmed to have like all these, you know, weird supernatural powers. And she escapes, and she's able to like find her way out and thrive, you know. And that's basically where the lyrics came from. But it's almost kind of a tribute to, um, you know, seeing, you know, being like a female and seeing yourself in a more positive light and seeing yourself as like a superhero, in my opinion, was very comic booky. Um, and yeah, there's a few other songs, um, that were, you know, I don't know, more like just along this, you know, the lines of like female empowerment, like, um, for example, like boy bands, that one, um, we kind of took a topic, like, you know, we've, you know, been on tour for a while and we'd see some, some, bands who are all male who were pretty okay with you know with their music but then they were like total dicks when they like we'd talk to them we'd be like all right you guys deserve that you know so you know we would um we kind of wrote about that and um yeah um were there any tracks in your opinion that were maybe a little bit more challenging to portray and um if so i guess how did you overcome them as um as songwriters and as a band right Oh man, um, man, I'm having like a. I have to like go down my list of like songs that we wrote. Yeah, um, I think uh, for me, man, there's a song. There's a song called um, "Sweet Pea" that we put in in our album uh, yeah. that was kind of threw into the mix. Um, that one was as as easily as that one came along. It was also just kind of like a weird thing for us to say, you know, to have that song in the mix because it's kind of ballady. And um, we, but we kind of just, you know, took a risk and decided to like go full out with it and write it and be like, oh, this song is so lovey dovey. Oh my God. You know, because we're all, <laughs> you know, because we're all so into like punk and like alternative and metal or whatever. And, um, but we, we threw it in there. Um, and I think. I'm I'm super proud of that one. Um, I know the girls necessarily don't like to play it live very much because I think it brings down the <laughs> brings down to like the excitement. But I still I think I I think it's so fun to like play live, and I think it shows that we don't necessarily need to be like 110 percent of like crazy heavy rock all the time, but we can also kind of bring it down to a level of sensitivity. Yeah, and I mean, if I I can understand maybe the mindset of not wanting to play it when you're doing something like Warp Tour, where you only get right. like X amount of time, you have to play stuff right. that's very hyped up and very crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like 
I could totally see that on like a headlining tour or on like one of your guys's other like if you did another run of just like where you're in a where you're just in a venue. Right, absolutely. But you know, you know, it could either it could go either way because like well, I don't know. Have you heard of the band called Creeper? Yeah, yeah, I saw them last year. Yeah. They were fantastic. Yeah, we became really really close with them last year and they um played a song called Misery and it is the same vibe kind of as um sleepy for us and it and it absolutely is like the highlight of the entire like set like their set is amazing but then they go into misery and everyone just loses their shit so (laughs) um really it could go either way so it's like it's kind of a chance you know a little shot in the dark to have the song in a set or on the album but i think it went down really well that's awesome um well i won't i won't take up too much more of your time but um i guess these are some wrap-up questions to kind of bring everything to a close with uh, this interview. Uh, first question is, um, what do you hope people take away from Manic Pixie Dream Girl after they listen to it, whether they're just listening to the record, whether they're seeing you play it live? I guess, what do you hope, I guess, fans take away from that? Um, mainly, uh, we are very passionate about, um, you know, you know, whenever a female listens to our albums that they can pick up an instrument, no matter how old they are, no matter, uh, you know, where they are in their life, that they can pick up an instrument and they can make something, you know, that means something to them. And and that goes for like, you know, obviously everyone too. Um, and we also like hope that people can take the positivity of like the trope that we're using of like the Manny Picture Dream Girl, um, next you know, Manic Picture Dream guy, whatever, you know, um, and you can be the hero of your own story and um, that every instance of, like, misery and tragedy, like, it doesn't have to be your downfall. You can, you know, you can be um, a survivalist through that, you know. Nice. Um, this yeah. is a super broad question, um, but what does music mean to you? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, that is like, I can write a book about that. Um, <laughs> it is like the reason like that I uh, can be like happy and that I can um, pursue like a career that I um, can actually thrive in. Like, honestly, if I, if I didn't have music, I would be like negative 35% of what I am right now. (laughs) Like music is the reason that I was able to overcome my like crippling anxiety and it helps me get through, you know, episodes of, you know, depression and mental health. And like, um, it allows me to express myself 110% and people know exactly who I am. And, I, it, it helps me, um, push through like really, really tough moments and allows me to create and get my energy out. And, um, it is kind of just my, my number one rock through absolutely everything and anyone. <laughs> awesome. That was perfectly said. And, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And the last question that I had was, I've started to do something new with this where I'm, I'm starting to tag music on at the end of every episode um, of this podcast right. that I do when I'm talking to a band. Um, if you had to pick one song um, to give people an introduction to you, uh, what would you recommend that song be? 
Oh, goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> like, one song of ours or a song, like, oh, in yeah. general? Yeah, a song, um, like, off of Manic Pixie Dream Girl or even okay, off of okay. older releases. Right, okay. Uh, hmm. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm just going to say um, Punch Nazi because, one, that's, oh, God, you know what? Then there's Daughter. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good thing when you can't really decide between what song you. Oh want. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm gonna just say "Daughter" because that one um, is uh, really uh, like also a pretty strong female empowerment song, and also it has this vibe that I'm just obsessed with that I really can't put my like my finger on. Um, I feel like it's almost kind of like playing that song. It's kind of like riding a speeding bullet. <laughs> you know, it's kind of just, it's like this fast-driven, angry, angsty, you know. I, I just think it's so fun, and it really puts a, puts a you know, spotlight on who we are as a band and our sound. So, yeah, for sure. Awesome. I will tag that one on then. Um, hey, Megan, thank you okay. so much. It was such a pleasure chatting with you, um, and this will be going yeah. up relatively soon, and we will see you at the Mountain View date. Awesome. Thank you so much. No worries. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. Okay, bye. Bye.
That was Daughter by Dollskin. That was a great shout with the lovely uh, Megan Herring, who plays in the band. And they'll be out on the Vans Warped Tour all summer. Vans Warped Tour is coming to Mountain View, California this Saturday, June 23rd at Shoreline Amphitheater. Tickets are still available. And every band you're hearing on this episode um, in both song and interview form are going to be performing um, throughout the tour and this Saturday. So make sure you uh, make it a point if you like any of these bands to go and check them out and show them your support, particularly with this being the last year of the tour. All right, we're going to jump into this last interview of this episode and then we will be back um, tomorrow with uh, three more new bands uh, that are going to be on the tour and at the Mountain View stop. So this is Lauren Cation, vocalist for a really incredible hardcore act called Sharp Tooth that'll be out on the tour all summer. Enjoy. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. Everything okay? Yeah, I just stood in line like to check out with only one person in front of me for 15 minutes. (laughs) I know exactly what you're referring to because it happened to me the other day. I'm like, I need to leave, people. Oh my god. Gosh. I completely Thank you get for it. your patience. Yeah, don't even worry about it. That that happens. Not only did that happen the other day, but it happens more often than, than you would ever think. Where it's like the let me let me just take. I just want to take a guess. Like they had the wrong card. The person was gone for a few minutes. They were running around. The computer was going slow. Like all of those little factors will go into something uh, like that. Oh my god! It like it was like. Both the cashier and the person yep. checking out clearly <laughs> were in the struggle. And oh I'm just like, God. this is a really bad time for this to be <laughs> <laughs> I feel Oh, it. my gosh. No, you're so good. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate it yeah, so much. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, are you, so I take it you're just out like running errands, just kind of getting. Trying started. to get my life together before I leave for two months. Gotcha. That's fair. Yeah. That's a fair assessment. Yeah, because Warped is I keep I keep forgetting Warped is in like two weeks. I always keep yeah. forgetting that. It's like it's like in a week and a half and we leave. Yeah, it's in almost a, a week and we leave on Saturday. So I'm just trying to get everything taken care of and it's been it's been a party. <laughs> yeah. You well, you're leaving are you are you guys on the you guys on the East Coast, correct? What do you mean? Like, are, are, you, are you based out of the East Coast? Yeah, we're from Baltimore, which okay. is in Maryland. That's what I thought. Yeah, so that's going to be a drive. I was thinking, like, in my head, I was kind of yeah. like, why would you have to leave on Saturday? And then I realized that that's, like, that'll that'll take a week <laughs> to get out yeah, to California. California is far as shit. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, I totally feel it. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's good, though. You guys, I mean, that'll be a fun, I mean, are you guys excited for, have you played Warped Tour before? I've never, we have not, I have never played a single date of Warp Tour, and Sharptooth has never played a Warp Tour either. So this is all extremely new for all of us. Yeah. Like, we never even did, like, a Battle of the Bands, like, Warp Tour date. Oh, <laughs> like, it's like none of the nothing. Ernie Ball stage stuff or anything like that? Nope. Wow. Nope. <sighs> That's not, it, it's exciting, and though. It's, it is exciting. The funniest thing is that last year we might have done that except we got we signed to pure noise like 
a month before they like pick the winners, and one of the rules is you have to be unsigned. So we got disqualified. Damn. Oh yeah, that's right. Announced that we signed to Piranoids for another like six months yeah so it was just like we like just didn't get it and nobody would and everyone was like i can't believe shark do chop playing we're like yep oh well <laughs> like couldn't tell anyone why yeah at the same time yeah, yeah. yeah at the same time though it does make it it makes it a little bit more like satisfying for, for the people who waited so long to see you guys and obviously this is the last time they'll get to see you on the warp tour um, at least yeah. within that range. So it, I mean, it sounds like it all kind of worked out. It really did. Uh, it is kind of funny that like, yeah, never played a single date and then suddenly we're playing every date of the last one. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. That's kind of a come up, I think. So I think I'm so not too. About it. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be mad about that either. That sounds awesome. And that's, um, you guys are on the mutant stage, right? Which is like, that's, that's the metal stage. Yep. So that's all the heavy bands, all the bands I've ever that like I'm stoked on seeing are playing on the mutant stages. So that is rad. I'm really excited. Well, that's rad. Um, I mean, what can I, I as someone who's been listening to your to your music and the music you guys have been putting out and loving it and loving the vibe and uh, just the energy that comes off of it, what can people expect? with your live show because it's like warp tour is such a, a showcase thing where you only get you only get 30 minutes and you have to pick 30 minutes out of your entire out of your entire discography um to really showcase who you are what could people expect when they're seeing your band yeah well we're very used to 30 minutes that we've always like believed in the ethos of make it short, make it sweet, and leave them wanting more. Like, you never want to... I feel like on stage, you never want to overstay your welcome. The, the the last thing anybody would ever want is for someone to be like, all right, is this band done yet? So we come out hard and fast and beat the shit out of everyone, and then we're gone, and everyone's like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> so that's kind, of, that's kind of how we roll. It's like extremely high intensity, both musically and in our physicality and content wise from start to finish and uh yeah so we we don't pull punches we never have and we're not going to for warp tour so if you've seen sharp tooth expect a sharp tooth set if you've never seen sharp tooth then it's kind of like a bomb going off (laughs) (laughs) awesome that that reminds me of the first time that i ever like you describing that, it reminds me of the first time I saw Every Time I Die. Like, that kind of just, there's absolutely nothing held back. It is all in, and then when they're gone, you're kind of like, what just happened? Yeah, you're kind of left reeling, and that's such like a, oh my gosh, what an, what an honor to be even, like, considered alongside that band. They're one of my biggest Oh, totally. Yeah. Shout out to the Etidiots. Uh, Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, I totally get that vibe when I hear you guys. I think of, um, I think of bands like Every Time I Die and like that. I guess that kind of breed of hardcore where it's got that mix of where it's something that you would you could hear in like an old hardcore punk club, but you would also hear that could be that could work well within a metal show. So kind of like that. I, I don't want to say yeah. metalcore, but like that that hybrid of it. 
I mean, like we metallic hardcore, metalcore, melodic hardcore, like we we ascribe to all of these things and basically if it's the descriptor that someone aligns with the most and and that's what they like to call us, then fuck it. We'll we'll work with that. We're happy with it. Like as long as people like what we're doing, we kinda don't care what you call us. Heavy music. I'm all for I'm all for the the dissolving of genres within heavy music because at the yeah. end of the day, I feel like a lot of that breeds elitism and like when you decide that you only like a certain type of heavy music, you end up kind of missing out on a lot of other potentially cool yeah. stuff because you're like, Oh, I don't listen to deathcore. Oh, I don't listen to you know, whatever. Insert whatever subgenre you want. I think people wall themselves off too much. And so I'm just like, yeah, we're fucking heavy and fast and mad. So if you fuck yeah. with that, you'll fuck with us. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the people who are like, I don't listen to punk hardcore. I only listen to black and hardcore. I don't listen and associate what? with any of it. I'm just like, come on, man. That makes the, the – those are the best shows where you've got like a thousand different – "Quote unquote subgenres, and yet it's just you could. If someone came up and asked you how you would describe the show, you'd just say heavy as shit, and then that's yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like I feel like one of the best things I feel like about right now in music is that for whatever reason, there's been like kind of like a dissolve. There's been like so many like multi-genre tours now. Yeah, and you're getting you're getting like I mean, we just got back from touring with Senses Fail, and I mean their whatever brand of emo screamo yeah. you would consider them to be. <laughs> like, we're clearly very different. I mean, we're just on tour with Anti-Fly. We don't sound anything like fucking Anti-Fly, even mm-hmm. though we have a lot of the same ethos. And, uh, like, I think that's so cool because it exposes different kinds of people to different kinds of music. And, yeah, and you get to find out things that you never would have found out about, like, the bands you liked before. Like, so I love that, like, more mixed genre tours. I'm so about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember, like, I think I've seen a lot of mixed genre tours over the past few years, but it, it really started to, like, make an impact in my mind when I first saw um, Memphis May Fire toured with Yellow Card, and I was kind of like, wait, what? But then I went yeah. to the show, and it was so cool because there were fans of every genre, and nobody, like, left after a band. Everybody stayed and hung out during the whole show, and I was just like, I'm I'm for this. Like, I really want this to keep happening. Yeah. I de- it's kind of funny, though, when there are those tours where there's definitely, like, a culture shock for some of the bands. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, speaking of Every Time I Die, I remember when they toured with Taking Back Sunday, and the Taking yes. Back Sunday fans, I don't think we're ready. <laughs> oh, man. I missed that tour, and I wanted to go so bad just to see the Taking Back Sunday fans freak out. And I love it, Taking Back Sunday, so I would have... So do I. Yeah. One of my favorite bands, especially from, like, that decade of music. Yes. Like, one of my top three from then. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like you get, like, a whole... Your night isn't just spent listening to the same, like, fucking, like, five varieties of breakdowns. You get to, like, actually experience a whole bunch of different things. Actually, on the Census Fail Tour that we just did, one of the opening acts was supposed to be a rapper which would have been wild. They ended up not being able to do the tour, but like, I was like, all right, this is going to be a weird tour and I'm ready. Yeah. Um, well, also speaking, I, I totally just remembered this as we were talking about this. Um, every time I die, I announced that they're going to be, um, I think it's only for like two dates, but they're opening up for fallout boy on their arena tour. 
later this fall. I love it. (laughs) I love it because I keep thinking of like all of the parents that are going to be there with their kids and they're just going to be like, what is going on? And I'm so excited. I I think it's somewhere in like Detroit and I I just, I really want to just go um, and just, just look at people. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, it's so funny. Like speaking of that kind of like dynamic, um, we experienced like, so like, I mean, you think of fallout, well, you think of like teenage girls and on our anti-flag tour, um, we, we played with another band called the white noise and a lot of their fans. Oh uh, yeah. I've seen them before. Love that. They're some of my favorite people. But uh, a lot of their fans, presumably from Warped Tour, because they played the previous year, yeah. there were tons of, like, these really young teenagers. And so we would play first and then the White Noise, but all the White Noise <laughs> fans would, like, get there early. So, like, lining the front of the stage were all these teenage girls. Yep. And I was like, what an incredibly exciting opportunity for me. I'm like, yes, I have these, like, all these young, like, feminine minds captive for the next half hour before they get to see the band that they're really here to see yeah but like i get to impart like a little bit of like positive girl power like wisdom and like that makes me feel great like just i don't know being around like younger more impressionable like minds and being able to put something positive into their heads hopefully if they listen but we ended up like making like so many new fans so many young women from that tour and that was really really special so i love it that's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. I love the messages that I that I hear from listening. I mean, just listening to Clever Girl alone, just hearing all of the, just what you what your band stands for and what you convey. I love, and I think that's like I hate always asking the, um, what's it like being and I, and I never try to ask it though. What's it like being a female <laughs> in the male dominated industry? Because it's like it's it's one of the most like, I guess at least from. If I was to look at it from someone who is always getting asked that, like, an annoying question, but it's interesting when you look at a genre like hardcore and, like, metalcore, like, what is that, I guess, what do you set out to do every night when you have a chance to, like, like you were, like you would do with the White Noise uh, fans that were there previously before uh, they would go on, I, I guess, what was your, what's your goal and your overall intention with being in the platform that you have and within an industry that has a lot of like for lack of a better word bros that come out to these shows and yeah um, yeah no absolutely i i definitely feel a lot of responsibility um especially at these shows where it's like younger people because the coolest thing was is like on that tour like i was like like we were like one of the heavier bands on that tour. So I'm like, for some of these kids, I'm like, I don't know what kind of music they listen to. This might be one of the heaviest things they've ever heard. So it also, it made it really important for me to make, to be able to articulate myself very clearly in between my songs as well. Especially if you're not used to listening to heavy music, sometimes it's hard to understand the lyrics Yep. um, because they're being screamed at you. So I try to make it a point to, articulate the meanings of what I consider to be the most like important points I'm trying to make in between our songs as well. So that even if people can't understand my lyrics, um, like right off the bat, they at least have an idea of the feeling behind each song and the message behind each song, which I think is, you know, super important, especially in a, yeah. in like a super 
like singular genre where a lot of people look the same. A lot of people, you get like the straight white guy is like front person like all the time. And so being able to present somebody with something different and say, Hey, this is my perspective. This is my experience in the world. And I'm going to share it to you through this music. Um, I definitely feel a sense of responsibility because there's not a lot of representation. So, but then on the, on the flip side, I am just one person and I don't speak for all women. And I certainly don't speak for like all queer people or all assault victims. Like I'm just one perspective. And so it's like, on the one hand, I'm like, Oh, this is an opportunity for our community to be saying something in hardcore music, but it's also, I hope it draws attention to the fact that we need more people doing it so that it's not just me because yeah, my experience is going to be different than other people's. Like everybody is different. Just like, I mean, if you only needed one like girl, then when you only need like one dude up there and like there, that covers the entire breadth yeah. of male, of straight <laughs> male experience. In, like that's when you think about, when you think about it that way, people immediately see how ridiculous it is. So I like to remind people that it's also equally ridiculous to uh, expect me to speak for everybody too. Yeah, like you said, it's just your your one voice of a much exactly. of, of a very big story that everybody has a piece in, and you, when you're on stage for that period of time, you are you get your chance to tell that piece of the story, and then people can take with it what they will, and hopefully for in a in a very positive way. Yeah. And I also, one of the things that's very important to me at our shows is inviting people to come and talk to me. Um, I try to spend a decent amount of time like at like our merch table and talking to like the audience just because, you know, a like I said, like I, I only speak for me. So I want to hear other people's stories so that I can expand my worldview and also be mindful of other people's experiences when I'm getting up there and trying to, you know, create some kind of a positive movement and like a forward thinking movement with people. If there's something that I haven't thought of or something I'm not addressing or I could address better, I strongly encourage people to like come and have a conversation with me about it because, you know, activism is about everybody growing and learning and changing. And so, and I definitely consider the band to be equal parts Part and equal parts activism, and I think that's why it's been effective in in both realms up to this point. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting opportunity to have. That's awesome. Um, with yeah. with stories that you're when you're encouraging people to come up and tell you their stories and to kind of and to give you their perspectives on things and all of that. I I bring this up because I um, I'm friends with the bands who've done uh numerous like tours they've had a pretty successful career thus far and what they've done is i know that on one of the records they did one of them would get a lot of letters and writing sent to their studio and he would take their stories and he would turn some of them into songs and that made their material for what ended up being one of the i guess one of the bigger records of their career with all the stories and all the different viewpoints you hear have you guys uh, is that something you've done as a songwriter or is it more on on an album like clever girl is that more your perspective or are you taking 
other people's stories and kind of absorbing them, like just to kind of get an understanding of your songwriting process and your uh, talking about these um, these things that you're really focusing on with activism. So for me, when I write songs, it is from an extremely personal perspective, even okay. songs that seem to have like a broad, um, like kind of a broad topic, like, like catcalling. I didn't just set out to write a song like, oh, I, I want going to write a song about catcalling because it's something we all go through. Yeah. I wrote that song because it happened to me the day that I wrote it and I was really fucking pissed off and so I just started writing and that's where all of these songs come from and I try to make sure that anything personal that I'm talking about um, is also framed in a way so that people can get something universal from it. Um, even songs, even like songs that are about like phenomenon, like cat calling. Like, I hope that even if you are somebody who has never experienced that before, I hope that in listening to the feelings that I talk about in that, um, people are able to relate. Like, even if you haven't been like, you know, degraded while walking down the street, I think that everybody has felt like called out and degraded and like humiliated before. So those are feelings yeah. that anybody of any gender can relate to. So. For me, in taking in other people's stories, I think that the most important thing that that does for this band isn't necessarily in the content of the songs, but in creating, I know that for me personally, it it helps me to see my place in the world and my place as a human being amongst other human beings and in connecting and sharing and being vulnerable, like with others that like with people coming to me and doing that, that invites me to be able to do that for other people. And yeah. I think that when people are able to be vulnerable with each other, that's when we actually learn and grow. So, you know, I get up on that stage and I spill my guts and then people come and talk to me and they spill my guts. And it's like, that like basically gives me the courage to keep going and to keep doing that. And it's not like I'm not like I'm using people's like stories as like, fuel for the fire but it's like it gives you a scope of our place as human beings inside this larger construct of humanity i think that a lot of times we feel very small and very alone i know that i do a lot of the time and uh so much of what combats that is the understanding of the universal condition of human suffering and that mm -hmm. all of us are in it you know when i when you hear a person's story it also, like, that's, like, I think that the true, like, path, like, you know, to, like, peace and, like, away from hatred is in listening to other people. Because I heard, a, oh, my God, I heard an amazing quote the other day that was, like, if you, when you hear another person's story, you can't hate them. Yeah. So that's why I invite, like, even people who don't, don't agree with me or, like, my politics or anything like that, I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's connect as human beings. Because at the end of the day, that's all we have. It was so interesting to uh, kind of on the point of you talking about listening to other people's viewpoints. It took me a long time to really like understand that. And then I think I, I don't remember what point it was that I kind of decided it. But I think there was just a moment where I was kind of like, you know, I kind of fucking hate this disagreeing with everybody and being angry about it. It's like I think maybe even if someone does support 
like the president or supports something, a policy in uh, that's going around that I don't necessarily agree with. At the same time, it's like I would rather sit and talk with that person and see like, okay, so why why do you think that way? What is it that makes you think that way? And then walk away with the understanding of, all right, I don't agree with them, but I get where they're coming from and I get why they feel that way rather than, well, fuck this, fuck that person. And, yeah. Um, that makes total sense. Yeah. I think that, I think at the end of the day, we could all stand to have a little bit more empathy for each other. And that's everyone. I'm not like, you know, I'm certainly not saying that that justifies hateful behavior. Oh, it doesn't. justifies (laughs) people doing terrible things. Um, but I almost wish that like, I could like get into the heads of like some of those people who like are so full of hate and just, and like figure out why, you know? Yeah. Um, it's because so, I, cause yeah. we're not born hateful. Like no. we're, we're all born, you know, little screaming blobs of flesh. Like so yeah. something had to happen along the line to, to foster that. I'm, I, I'm fascinated with where that comes from and how it grows and what we can do to, to stem it so that it's not something that's growing inside of us. I often think about the president and like why he, and, uh, and like when I, and don't get me wrong. I, I still hate him. I still have many, many, many problems with him and the things he does. But at the same time, I kind of sit there and I think there have been times when I've thought like, why does he think this way? What was it in his life that, got him to like and aside from any biography or history books or anything that where people try to analyze him like trying to understand like what happened in his life that made him think about this because it's just like there's just so many things that don't add up or completely contradict and to what Mm -hmm. he says and things like that and it's just it's it's just sad it's just really sad and now he's fucking in talking with a North Korean dictator and de- he brought Dennis Rod- and he brought Dennis Rodman and I just I I don't know, I, I don't even know what to do like it's it's a fucking like I I think I'm reading the onion half the time like I really do oh I do too I know it it I have a hard time wrapping my head around it and I'm just like ah <laughs> uh, yeah okay and I mean I know that I frankly have like you know I, there's a lot of privilege in being able to sit here and say, like, I just want to understand everybody. I just want everybody to love each other and get along. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much fucking privilege in that because, like, there's people who, yeah, they can't even, like, they can't afford to be sitting here trying to, you know, make everybody go kumbaya yeah. because they're fighting for their fucking survival. Yeah. And so I recognize that the fact that I can do that is so fucking privileged. Yeah. So... I feel an obligation to kind of use that to try to do something that, you know, try to do something positive in this, in this very short life that we have. Absolutely. No, I completely, I completely understand where you're coming. Like, I I totally get that. There are countries around the world where you will be taken to prison if you say anything wrong about the, the leader of the country. And I'm, I'm not sing, singling any specific country. I'm yeah. just saying that there are sure. other nations and places. So it's like to be able to have that right here is really, it's an honor. And it's a good thing that people are ab- in this country are able to have that and to be able to exercise that right to call out things for the way that they truly are. 
Yeah. I think that if you're in a position of privilege and aren't actively trying to figure out ways to use it uh, to help benefit people who are not as privileged as you, then it's going to waste and you got to get your shit together. But <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, so one of the things before, I cannot believe it's almost been a half hour. This has gone by so Are fast. Are you serious? Yeah, it's almost been a half hour. Fun. Yeah, this has been great. This has been awesome. Um, one of the things I really wanted to, to, it wasn't really a question. It was just more of a, a compliment about uh, the record. It's about the record Clever Girl. I love that you use the Jurassic Park um, <laughs> clip in the song because Jurassic Park's my favorite movie. And I love that. There's, but I love the idea because in Jurassic Park, all the dinosaurs are female, and I, know, I, love, I love the idea. Yeah, I love the idea about just I got I got the imagery after and like the symbolism of it after looking at it about the whole female power aspect of it. I just thought that was very cool, and I just thought I would share that. Thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate. It. I was very I was very proud of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm it was a, awesome. I'm a huge Jurassic Park nerd, huge yes. dinosaur nerd. Like half my tattoos are dinosaur tattoos. Nice. Um, so literally I, I joke that uh, shark tooth is just my, it's basically my excuse to uh, manifest my dream of just being a velociraptor. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm they're the most powerful ones. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. No, they're, they're the I most, so. yeah, they're the most, fucking crazy i mean other than in the jurassic world where they had the giant hybrid thing uh i the indominus the rex. indominus rex yes <laughs> um i love i mean the raptors are the most like powerful and uh, like i still always think of that speech that he gives to that uh that fucking kid at the beginning of the movie about like how the raptor can kill him in like three different ways coming from like it's just it's it's insane I love it. I, I've always been, I've always been like super, super into dinosaurs and super into like theropod dinosaurs in particular. So bipedal carnivorous dinosaurs like velociraptors. Yeah. Um, if you love raptors, this is super nerdy. Uh, my favorite paleontologist is named Robert Baker, and he wrote a book entirely from the perspective of a female Utah raptor. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like such a compelling story. I'm like from a from the point of view of a reptile, and it's absolutely it's a beautiful story and it's an amazing overview of like Cretaceous, um, like flora and fauna, and like this one dinosaur story within it all. And it's like it's like super realistic. Like there's no it's not like the dinosaurs are talking or any of that shit. Yeah, it's like. It's like you could a paleontologist wrote it, but it is very beautiful. That's awesome. So, I'll have that's to check my, that out. My nerd book recommendation for the day. That's super rad. Um, I'll yeah. have to definitely check that out, and I hope anybody listening to this goes and checks that out as well. Um, any fellow yes. dinosaur Called nerds? Raptor Red is the is the name of the book. Raptor Red by Robert Baker. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, that's yeah. that's um. So these are a few like I guess small wrap up questions to kind of. Uh, bring this down a little bit but I guess the first thing you kind of you touched on this quite a bit when we were talking a little bit earlier but I guess within the form of this question what do you hope uh, fans take away after 
um, watching Sharp Tooth live on Warp Tour or at any show that you perform uh, throughout this year, just as if there's any kind of a singular message, multiple messages, takeaways, things like that that you hope people get when they listen to your music and see you live? I think there's a few. I think that there's something in it for everyone, which is why one of the things that, like, I love about my band is that it isn't just for girls. It isn't just for queer people. I mean, like, half of my band are straight dudes. And, like, they back this as hard as any of us not straight, not dudes do. So I I hope that, at the very least, it opens people's eyes up to maybe a perspective that's different than theirs. Um, I hope that it shines some light on some issues that aren't always talked about so much in our society, um, like like sexual violence and um, like mental illnesses. And I hope that it motivates people to feel like they have some kind of agency in their lives to create change. I think the best thing about this band for me has been having young girls come up to me after our shows and go, I want to start a band. And like, that's like totally blown my mind because you know, when I was 17, I wanted 16, 17 years old, I wanted to be in a band too, but I literally was told by other people, Oh, nobody wants a girl in their band. And like, which is so fucked up. Yeah. Um, And I just hope that just in our existence, people can see that like, yeah, you can be you can be a girl in a band and talking about like our stuff and like it's totally possible. So, yeah, I think that I hope it motivates anybody, regardless of their gender or sexuality or anything like that, to to feel like they have a voice. I think that's the biggest thing. Awesome. So. This is a super broad question, but um, I ask this to everyone that I interview: What does music mean to you? Oh my God, it's it's my religion. It's like, I think that people in in like that regard, they have like a, a lot of times religion is a framework through which people experience the world and experience each other. And for me, I find so much of that in music. And just like some people would go to the Bible to find words of wisdom, I go to the lyrics of the bands that I love to find words of wisdom and ways of living. And uh, I've also found a community and friends in it, just like you would, well, a lot of people get from like their church. It's literally like my religion. And it's something that I've been proud to put my faith in for a very, very long time. And there's, I'm always finding new things to discover through music and through music of all genres too. So. Awesome. And lastly, I've been starting to put music at the end of these um, at the end of these podcast episodes, just from every, whenever I talk to an artist. So if you had to pick one song, um, from Clever Girl, what would you tag on and why? I would tag on, we just released a music video for our song, No Sanctuary. And it talks about a lot of the things that I just talked about in here, uh, about examining where hate comes from and how it grows within people and ways that we can be more compassionate with each other just in our day-to-day lives and how we communicate. And so, no sanctuary. Awesome. Lauren, it was an absolute yeah. pleasure. This was awesome. I am so glad we got to chat, and I'm looking forward to catching Thank you this summer. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hooray! I'm so excited. Awesome. <laughs> I, all right, um, I will send this over when it's ready to go, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Thank you so much. Are you coming? Uh, which dates are you coming to? I am going to be at the Mountain View date. So this is, I'm doing all these interviews in preparation of Mountain View, California on the 23rd. So I will definitely be out there. Woo! That's like, in, that's so soon. I oh know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming that's up. Oh my God. That is unbelievably soon. Yeah, I'm going to die. It'll be fine. You, you'll be fine. I promise, <laughs> I promise you you'll be fine. I promise you guys are going to do awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Awesome. I'll definitely come and uh, catch the set um, on Saturday as well. So, yeah. Yes. Please come hang out. Please come talk to me. Absolutely. I love making you friends. And hell yeah. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, until then. Until then, I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. That was Lauren Cation from... Sharp Tooth, catch them all summer on the Vans Warp Tour. We're going to close with the track that we were talking about at the end of the episode, of course, No Sanctuary. It comes from their 2017 release, Clever Girl. Um, in the description of this episode, I'm going to put links to where all of these songs can be found, where you can go buy them on iTunes, where you can go check out the artists, as well as links to all of their social media, websites, everything you'd possibly need uh, to know. Um, hope, uh, we're going to be back tomorrow again, as I said earlier, with three more artists from the tour. Um, I might be getting some other last minute interviews done in the next, um, couple of days, excuse me, um, heading up to the Mountain View date, but we're going to see what happens. So, um, thanks again for listening and, uh, here is No Sanctuary by Sharp Tooth. See you tomorrow. <laughs>